Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. And we're back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. I'm Louis Fertel, and I already have FOMO for all the summer things I'm missing, but we'll catch up on. Anyway, it's making me anxious. <laughs> I'm Aida Osman. I'm wearing a beanie, and I'm feeling like a soft butch. Hello. <laughs> Hello. You know what? It's a welcoming butch. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's like I make macadamia nut cookies in my kitchen, but there's only organic rosemary that I grow in my garden. I don't know. <laughs> and there's a cookie for everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like an inviting Nickelodeon gnome. <laughs> Stop calling me a gnome. This is the second time. I, yeah, you think I didn't hear it before. I heard it before we started recording. You're pretending there's a category of gnomes. There's one gnome. It's David the Gnome, voiced by Tom Bosley of Happy Days fan. Mm. That, there was one gnome. No, there's an old film called A Gnome Named Gnorm. I don't know if any of you have seen A Gnome Named Gnorm, but it was a horrible movie that I watched as a young child, and that's a second category of gnomes. As in, okay. his name is Norm with a G, and they pronounce the of G. Course. Guys, the G yeah. in gnome is silent. The pun doesn't work out. Yep. A gnome named Gnorm. I know, right? Mm. Mm. Interesting. Okay. I did see Gnomeo and Juliet. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. One of the many uh. indignities that have befallen Emily Blunt. You know, she did it to herself. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I want to support the sis because I do love my redheads, but I don't know. She needs to be making more movies like... Edge of Tomorrow? Yeah. She needs to be making more movies like The Edge of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. which is a classic, a Tom Cruise action movie. It's not easy to get. Not everybody has that. Yeah, right. That's I'm kind, kidding. That's, a lot of people are in those movies. <laughs> I'm going to say, you're talking, you, you want her to achieve the level of, say, Michelle Monaghan? That's what you want? Okay, right. No offense to Michelle Monaghan. <laughs> if you haven't been filtered through the Mission Impossible franchise, what are you doing? Right. Sitting here in bliss. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> in bliss with a good career. Viola Davis is in one. Really? Is one of the blue is the warmest color girls in those movies? Yes, Leah Seydoux, who is also in the James Bond movies. That's range. Mm. Also, I was wrong. I was thinking about Angela Bassett being in Mission Impossible Fallout. Mm. Not Viola Davis has not been in one. She has, however, been clomping around in the Suicide Squad franchise. That's true. Also, <laughs> I, I, um, Viola Davis was in Black Hat, the Chris Hemsworth action movie. Um, I want to say no though, one that saw that. I I, I don't I, I don't mean to endorse it, by the way. Um, but that is almost uh, compensation for the fact that Angela Bassett should have an action franchise. I know we have that show yeah. of hers on Fox, but that's not enough. Yeah, Strange Days could have been a franchise. Right? Ooh, I don't know. Nice take. Nice take. Yeah. Or what's love got to do with it? You know, I would have loved. I to would see not Tina like Turner. to see more of that. I would not like to see more of that. <laughs> I think she could take on other uh, abusive musicians. Oh, as in other harrowing stories in rock. Who else could she like? Like Nina Simone or something? Yeah. yeah. Well, no. What if the sequel was like Tina Turner went and looked up John Lennon? Oh, okay. Um, that is senseless, but all right. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> let's talk about this bitch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She stops Mark David Chapman. She swipes the catcher in the rye out of his hand and says, stop it. Yeah. 
Okay. I think I would love to see Angela Bassett take down Marilyn Mansa. That too. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what's the level of abuse before I chime in. Like, does she punch Tommy Matola or is that not enough? <laughs> <laughs> is that enough? Does she have like discretion? I think that's enough. I think that's okay, enough. I, I, good. I'm on board. Yeah. I'm on board. Okay, I'm she watching. she helps Mariah jump out of that window and into the pool. <laughs> Makes a cast she ties a bunch of scarves together and like she could just cascades down the side of the mansion. Uh-huh. Or she's in the car with Mariah when they go and get fast food the one time she sneaks out of the house. With Debrat. With Debrat. Yes. Debrat, yes. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. If Mariah Carey wants French fries, Mariah Carey's gonna get French fries. <laughs> Huh. That just is, is a testament to how vividly Mariah explained that that uh, situation in the studio since we all feel like we lived it. Yeah. You know what? No one has ever written as vivid a memoir as Mariah Carey. But <laughs> our guest today did write a lovely memoir. Mm. <laughs> mm. I'm only lightly shading him because we're friends. Uh, J.P. Brammer is on the show this week to talk about his book of advice columns slash memoirs slash essays hola poppy very cute i Yay, also can't welcome. believe we've i can't believe how long we've had grinder in the world that's what that book acquainted me with like you know we always think of like um our generation is obsessed with things like aim or remembering aim or limewire mm-hmm. when these things had really limited shelf life or they only existed for a couple of years whereas grinder is now like a full arc of our lives you know been on it for a decade plus truly how long has grinder been around like were you guys like drawing dicks in the sand like is that how old this is like, <laughs> not quite that old yes okay okay just i also know. came to it a little bit late but i've been on it probably eight nine years yeah same mm. you know i do still miss gay.com and adam for adam oh wow i was on gay.com too as a joke i was too scared i put up a picture of ann coulter as my profile picture and still got messages <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what gays you were attracting with that. They'll message anybody as long as they're white. Well, <laughs> it doesn't get whiter, sweetie. So, <laughs> Ann Coulter, please call me a faggot to my face. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain sect of Chicago gays that would have loved to match up with Ann Coulter and, you know, like have a brunch with her. She allegedly, that was her whole thing for a while, that she had some gay friends. I mean, she'll take anybody, but okay. We, we can move on from <laughs> Ann Coulter. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it's also Pride Month, uh, and we are going corporate. I'm kidding. We're going to offer some recommendations of things that we're currently enjoying in music, film, and books. And then we're going to get into the down and dirty and seedy world of celebrities asking people to sign NDAs to have sex with them. We'll be right back. This month, Keep It has been included in Amazon Music's Pride collection, along with Love It or Leave It, because allegedly John Lovett is gay, and a host of other amazing LGBTQ plus-led podcasts. To check them out, head over to Amazon Music to listen for free. Brought to you by Chase Bank. It's Pride. <laughs> oh, there, there's just one big sponsor now. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. You know what? Eventually, it'll just be Amazon's Gay Pride. Right. If we're being honest. <laughs> it'll be easier. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Bezos will buy Pride. And he can have it. Certainly, if you want like a $13 singlet for a gay warehouse party, that's where you go. Mm. Mm-hmm. Did you do that? 
for this weekend? All, I was going to say, are we slaves to the system? Am I going to see you at a singlet uh, for the first time? No. Shimmery. Rainbow. <laughs> but I, I know it's available to people out there if they would like to have it. But yeah, yeah. Not me, Lewis. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think some of our listeners would love that. That's my queer recommendation this week, that Lewis... Drop a singlet photo. Oh my! The, your queer recommendation is pimping me out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, baby, we can make the big bucks. <laughs> they could call you Turnpike because they got to pay to get on and they got to pay to get off. Oh my good lord! Good lord! <laughs> <laughs> that is one of my favorite pieces of dialogue from the um, Nichelle Nichols um, what exploitation film. Truck Turner. I fucking love me mm. some Nichelle Nichols. Groundbreaker. Uh, <laughs> the kids don't know old Star Trek anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you have not seen Truck Turner, it is a wild turn for her. She plays a female pimp. I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel stupid that I haven't seen this. Anyway. <laughs> um, but that is not a queer recommendation. Um, that's just a pure, innocent, fun, good old time recommendation. Uh, but I figured it's pride. You know, um, what should we be telling the children, the girls, to read, to watch, mm, to listen to? To mm. consume, to look at. Hmm. Well, I'll start with, among queer movies, I think my favorite one of the past, whatever, five years I've seen is Beach Rats. You ever seen Beach Rats? Mm. I did see Beach Rats, and you know what? I wrote a um, not glowing review of Beach Rats for the Daily Beast at the time. Not you undercutting his first wreck. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, it's not like, well, it's a slice of life movie about this kind of like young adult played by Harris Dickinson who is poof, brutally hot. I'm not saying it's like a definitive queer movie in any way, but like his weird alienation from people is interesting. It's made by the woman, Eliza Hittman, who also did the recent Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, which if you haven't seen that, is like this unbelievably harrowing movie about... Um, I adore that film. Yeah, about a, mm-hmm. uh, just a girl who um, is getting an abortion. That's what the whole movie is about. Mm-hmm. But uh, this movie, there, there are certain movies you just feel like you want to live in for a little while, not even because it's completely comfortable, but because it sets a scene so well. And that movie does that. And the story is interesting and feels organic and not contrived in the way that like most screenplays do. It's never like, oh, we're getting to the redemptive part or we're getting to the part where he you know, stands up for himself or whatever. It's not like that. Um, it feels true to life, and I uh, recommend that movie. I should rewatch that film because I actually um, love revisiting art that you know we, you liked before, uh, and to see like if you still like it, uh, or you know revisiting something that you know you weren't that fond of mm-hmm. in the beginning, um, to see if your opinion has changed years later. And I was a really big fan of Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. So I think that revisiting Beach Rats in the context of that film, uh, I might like it a bit more. Y'all need to start saying NRSA. It's too many words yeah. to both of you. And also, like, I always forget one of them. You know, it's mm. like yeah. it's like mm-hmm. it's like ENFJ. I'm like, oh god, which one's F? You know, etc. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Never rarely, maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> Never rarely, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Although it made so much sense when you get to the end of the movie. Spoiler alert! And it's like it's her answering the questions that you have to answer. Correct. Um, when you're getting an abortion, and it's always is it never, rarely, sometimes, or always. But child, I was like, what is this title? Right. 
And can they repeat it several times for all the questions she has to answer? But anyway, anyway, mm. Aida, your turn. Yes, I have been forcing myself. I mean, of course, enjoyably so, being an African, a child of an African immigrant. But just watching a lot of diaspora queer movies and trying to find as mm. much of that content as possible. So most of my recommendations are going to be that. But I recently watched a film called Rafiki which is um, Swahili for the mm. word friend. Before, Not to be confused with the character from Lion King, so I know where y'all bitches' heads is about to go. <laughs> I was definitely not <laughs> about to make a joke about Rafiki you from the Lion it wasn't, King. I, you know. It wasn't coming to your mind. It wasn't something about... Mm-hmm. And I'll just fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was about to hold up a baby. <laughs> yeah, and slightly lick your hand and push it right directly into its forehead. Uh, metaphor for lesbian love. Anyway. <laughs> Voiced by Robert Guillaume in the movie, by the way. Going on. Mm-hmm. It's a story about two young women in Kenya where, of course, lesbian relationships are banned. And, of course, the movie, too, is also banned. And I'm just trying to navigate what their world looks like when they're falling in love in a place where it's not okay. And I think it's interesting, too, this movie is important for all all people, but... We are so tired of oppressive storylines in the United States because we've seen it so many times, but there are very real and palpable stories that are of oppression that are still going on in other places. And that's where I'm willing to entertain those kind of storylines. You see it in a different a different world. So Rafiki is a is a big is a big movie. Watch it. Wonderful. Um another film, same thing, to a gay couple, Nas and Malik. And I think I've recommended this on the podcast before, but y'all need to mm. get with it and watch it. I reviewed Nas and Malik at one point. Uh, I, I remember this. Loved that film. I love yes. that. Two two black Muslim boys navigating the space of being queer in Brooklyn. It's beautiful. A lot of these things, it's just so refreshing to see the, the imagery. You've never seen it before. So those are my two movies. I think that is a gorgeous, gorgeous film. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Makes me want to be a gay boy. You don't want to be one of those. I know. Y'all seem to have it rough. Just running around <laughs> like little monkeys. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Not untrue. You put it succinctly uh, as, as, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Like 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 Rafikis. <laughs> like little if you will. Rafikis. <laughs> Voiced by Robert Keom. Yes. Uh, oh my God, Benson. That's exactly right. Yes, Emmy winner. Uh, my <laughs> king, Benson from from the TV show Soap. Uh, he was the butler, mm-hmm, uh, but mm-hmm. then he got his own spinoff where he was helping a white man run for office. <laughs> that's, that's it. And that's then it. he ran for office at the end of like the series of Benson. Seventies TV shows were wild, you oh, know. Yeah. And sort of a dead zone. We've lost a lot of them to time. You know, people don't know about Benson anymore. And the spinoffs were like wild reboots of TV shows. You know, it, like it wasn't just like, oh, Joey, like someone's moving to L.A. They were like full like concept reboots where it's like, oh, this is going to be like set in the world of politics now. Oh, right. For no reason. You know that there's a show <laughs> called, the, I believe, The Brady's where... It's there were several Brady Bunch reboots with basically all the same cast, with maybe one or two of the kids exchanged out. And there was a version where Mike Brady was the president of the United States and Carol Brady was the vice president. Mm. This is what we did, and it was like a drama. This is what we did to television audiences. We were so there was too much money. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, there's too much money in circulation. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it, but I've definitely read about that. Uh, I I do remember reruns of like the Brady Wives. Oh, the Brady Brides. Yes, uh, that the was Brady a Brides, short-lived yes. show with uh, uh, Maureen McCormick and Eve Plum. Yes, Marsha and Jen. Yeah, that was the era where um, 
if as long as the show was spun off from an initial show, they would just sort of air the spinoff episodes in syndication in that time slot. Right. Sometimes. And you'd be like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> no, you're like, this what, part, the what moment brunch. in time is this? Yeah. What, was this acceptable? <laughs> it's so confusing. All right. I have I have a queer recommendation for music that is um Oh, let's go. Okay. <laughs> Somebody who was not talked about in the context of queerness. I mean, he was never out in his lifetime. But now I feel like the people who know him, that's all they talk about is how he was gay and everybody knew it. Freddie Mercury. Good guess. <laughs> Luther Vandross. Mm. If you read oh, yes. specifically his album, because he's not talked about as an album artist a lot either, Never Too Much from the early 80s, you could bop to Luther Vandross. People really, I think now, like casual music consumers, think of him as the dance with my father guy. Yeah, yeah, But he yeah. really had some fucking music with a groove mm. uh, back in those days. As an album, it is flawless, like a five-star album. And... Um, often forgot. It, it's also just like you don't think of smooth, buttery vocals as necessary to dance music, but it's awesome to see them in concert or hear them in concert. Mm. So I uh, really mm. recommend that. It is never too much to never talk too about much. Never trust. too much. Never too much. Yeah, <laughs> I love that song. I Slay love song. never. I'm constantly listening to Never Too Much. Mm-hmm. I miss a Jerry curled man. Yeah, that's what I miss. <laughs> mm. A shirt tucked in, a tight belt, snapping at the wrist. <laughs> and a cherry curl. Mm. You know. Are you to just compose a poem for us? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have to wonder, like, if I would have had a Jerry curl back then. Um, I would say I you would. I think you would have. Yeah. You would have. Finger curls every day. It's just like complicated on you know the sheets and stuff. Oh yeah, but that's why you got a little bonnet. You tie that up. You got your silk mm-hmm. pillowcases. You wouldn't have even. It wouldn't have phased you. It would have been second nature. Mm. It would have been your life, Ira. It would have been your life. I like this version of me, you little jet curl. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple of music ones. So you guys remember her from Ooh. <laughs> God, that was horrible. Um, I'm gonna gonna let Young Ma do all the rapping and singing. However, oh, you wow. were saying ooh, ooh. <laughs> okay, you were giving out some like little whale. Oh, okay. whale, oh, whale. Sorry, there was I no, love, there was no dedication. I love Young Ma. Mm. Okay, oh my God, yo, Young Ma yo. and I um, shared a bill for what? I think she goes by Young Ma. I'm pretty sure, unless I'm wrong. Probably is Young Ma, but I like calling her Young Ma. <laughs> young Mummy. Young okay, mommy. I like the. Hey, 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 Ma. You looking young. <laughs> she is from Brooklyn. She, she is from New York. It only makes sense that you would call her yeah. that. So mm-hmm. No. I, when I was on the Wendy Williams show, she was the musical guest. Ooh. That wasn't yeah. on purpose. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, but her, <laughs> her door, her, I, like, I wanted to like go and like knock and say, hey, what's good? But I was like, hey, I am not yo, about to knock good, on a rapper's Ira. door. <laughs> no, I'm not about to do that. One that consistently talks about having multiple guns. Um, yes. But check out her <laughs> album, Her Story, which of course is a play on the word history, if you missed it. <laughs> but um, yeah, she's just a wonderful rapper. She's one of the best lyricists in that realm right now. And mm. I, I love her. I love her dearly. I love her. You know what? Because I think constantly these women are like rapping about like sex and pussy and dick yeah, too yeah. much. And Wops and shit. <laughs> <laughs> young, young M.A. is always rapping about pussy yeah as she should because she stay in pussy she's great 
Yeah, she's great. She's great. Also, unfortunately, since you said the words Young Ma, I am now thinking about a prequel to the film Ma, starring maybe Kiki Palmer. I'd oh, watch that. And I'd watch that, and she would be in it. She would sign up for that in an instant. You <laughs> no, know that. You know she would be great. I want to see her hit. Yeah. The first time she hit a woman in, with her car. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would also be like the bullies in school, like um, locking her up. Um, somewhere, and they'd say, uh, you have to drink alone. Right. So then we know where she got, don't make me drink alone, <laughs> uh, where she got that from. <laughs> uh, speaking of music, uh, I do want to recommend um, our friend Vincent, who we talked about yes! uh, all the time. Last week, his album, uh, There Will Be Tears, drops on Friday. Uh, definitely listen to that. I was at the album uh, listening party last night. It was fantastic. With goddamn Billy Porter and Jeremy O'Harris, and it just looked like all my favorite black gay men. You know. No, you, you there. That's 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 you're, what I do. You're there. You're, you're, yeah. You are where the niggas are. I got in by some chance. <laughs> uh, also, weirdly, uh, I just did an interview with um, Todrick Hall, and I want to say that I really enjoy his uh, new album. Oh, so you're a sellout and just become a fan of whoever meets you. How interesting. Nice, nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what, Lewis? Actually, no, uh, I, I, love, I think a lot of his music is really good. Yeah. I'm unable to be uh, mean to people in person anymore. The skill's gone. Oh, wow. You, you've, you've lost the, the magic touch. Bitch can't read a bitch. You can't read a bitch no more. This is my pivot to nice, okay? Oh, I mean, I, really I was, sad. I was, I was pleasant to Jamila Jamil recently. Whoa. <gasps> The pandemic This is some Perez you. Hilton on the Ellen DeGeneres show shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm closing the Zoom. I'm closing the Zoom. This is not what I signed up for. Okay, so also, uh, I also have two book recommendations. Um, Let's hear I'm them. In the midst of um, 100 Boyfriends by Brontes Purnell, uh, which is f- beautiful writing. Beautiful writing. So mm. uh, you got to read that. And also um, a book by a friend of Lewis and I's, um, Jonathan Parks Ramage. Oh, love him. Yes, Daddy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. I want to be friends, too. Yeah. <laughs> and boyfriend to Ryan O'Connell, if you're familiar with the show special. Mm-hmm. So, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, they're just making queer shit up in that house. It's like we're a small, tight-knit community. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> we wow. all know one another. Anyway. That's our queer recommendations this week. Um, I have no others. Everything else is strictly heterosexual. So the love of my life, heterosexuality and art. <laughs> my other recommendations are like tapestry artists. And I don't know if y'all are going to follow up. So Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> I think there's only one tapestry artist that Lewis likes. Her name's Carol King, sweetie. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's too late, baby. It's too late now, Aida. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll be right back. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand... That was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? (laughs) No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home 
blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And (laughs) I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain Mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Our guest today is the self-proclaimed Chicano, Carrie Bradshaw. And you know what? I agree. <laughs> you wanted career advice from Ira, right? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> A writer and advice columnist, he has just released his first book. Please welcome the writer of Ola Poppy, Poppy himself, J.P. Bramer, who, as my friend, I have never called you Poppy. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like I should start doing it now. Well, one thing I've learned from Grinder is that the bar for being called Poppy is pretty low. Like I was a twink in college getting Ola Poppy, so it's really just anyone. Okay. And they just think they're being chummy as opposed to being what I guess the word would be patronizing. No, I think they're just horny. Yeah. And they have <laughs> ideas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's what's happening. Let's talk a bit about you being the Chicano. Uh, Carrie Bradshaw. Sure, let's okay. do it. You know, uh, how did you get into writing people advice? Uh, it started with Into, right? The 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 R.I.P. Into the magazine from Grinder. Rest in peace and power. Into. Um, it started with me being a freelancer in New York City and not wanting to move back to my parents' farm in Oklahoma. And so I was like, okay, if I'm going to stay here, I need to make more money. I need to maximize the number of checks I can get out of Grinder. So I want to write a column every single week. Mm-hmm. But I don't really trust myself to come up with a new topic to write about every single week. I'm just not that smart. So that's when I thought, okay, if we do an advice column, people actually supply you with the prompt. And then you can sort of answer it. So I was going to do like purely satirical parody version of an advice column with the joke being like, what if Dear Abby was a gay Mexican man and Dear Abby was on Grindr? Um, so I thought it was going to be really funny. And then I started receiving letters that were really touching and intense. And I felt really bad for just making my little jokey jokes through the whole thing. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll start taking this more seriously. And the rest is history, really. Mm. Uh, we were just talking before about how it's crazy to me realizing how long we've had Grindr. Yes. Like, it, it, as opposed to the things we mythologize from uh, being uh, speaking on my behalf, uh, a millennial youth, like things like Kazaa that lasted for actually two years, you know, as opposed to Grinder, which is like, no, we're going on a decade of Grinder. How do you feel about 
existing on Grinder for that long of a time? Like, are, are you happy Grinder is this big a part of our lives? It is truly wild. And I've been on all of them. I remember being on Jacked. I remember being on Hornets, um, still on Scruff. And just mm. the chokehold that app has on my life anyway, and my life trajectory is really wild to look at. I was on this thing called Adam for Adam to begin with. Have you ever heard of that before? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love that Adam one. for Adam. <laughs> It was, a little, I loved it was a little it. grimy. It was, a, it was grimy, a little bit more ghetto. Well, that's what I loved about it. It was like seedy in a way, and it kind of felt more correct with the vibe <laughs> that I was mm. going for. Yeah, in terms of whether Grinder is a good thing or not, I really have no idea. It's just been so entrenched in my daily activities now that I don't even think about it as this separate entity anymore. It's like, oh, got a spare minute. Guess I'll just look at the grid for a second. It's very that. I will say that from its inception, it was that sort. It did have that sort of seedy quality that you know, like mm -hmm. Gay.com or Adam for Adam had. Gay.com, where I met my first male lover on. Um, some forty-two-year-old man in Chicago off the Sheridan stop. <laughs> so shout out to him. But it was um, his dream to be described this way. So congrats. <laughs> <to him. laughs> Um, he really made it with that one, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it truly has become more a part of our lives, right? Yeah. It's like the way that like you used to even like not reference it in public or you know, you, you would be like worried about like straight people seeing you with it or even worried that like your friends think like you're just on grind or like looking for dick all the time, you know? It's like now friends are you're just scrolling it like you scroll um Instagram. Yeah, there are entire grinder subplots on mostly heterosexual TV shows on Netflix now. It's just become yeah. so like ubiquitous. I remember when I saw it on Elite, I was like, "Wow, <laughs> we're here!" <laughs> A top tier show, by the Period, way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Periodismo, absolutely. <laughs> Early in the book, there's a part where you talk about feeling overwhelmed by certain letters you got, or feeling mm -hmm. underqualified to respond to them. What certain things did you do in order to be able to respond to like a heavy question? Did you have to do a lot of research sometimes? Yeah, there were some of them that I was just like, I just cannot answer this. I was receiving letters from people because Grindr was pushing the column through so many different places all around the world. Some of them were getting the column in countries or in places where homosexuality was criminalized, sometimes penalized by death. And I was like, I am not getting anyone killed with this dumb little column. I'm not going to be telling, like, one letter I got was, should I reach out to my crush and tell him how I feel? By the way, in my country, you can be put in jail for homosexuality. And I was like, imagine me in my little Brooklyn coffee shop writing a letter, being like, oh my god, go for it, sis, and someone ends up in jail. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. Not worth You're it. getting people broke down palaced. Uh <laughs> With your column. <laughs> International for, scandal. Though Go For It Sis is also a fine column name. So, I mean, <laughs> I think you that, that venture is off? the next, yeah. that is the next Ola Poppy. That is what um, Bloop should have called their second column. They called it Dear Dad, which I think is so funny to this day. It's just like, let's just like run this through Google Translate and just keep it going. Um, <laughs> right. Bloop, which is another magazine imprint from Grinder. It is wild that Grinder has lasted so long and it's truly had <laughs> several different eras. I one thing I love to do is come up with new like gay media titles for like magazines or outlets. Like I think mine would be called Verse in all caps. <laughs> that would be really cool. 
or like folks with an X and a zero. That would be oh, yeah. edgy. Okay. Mm. Oh, no, now you set my brain in motion. Now I want to create these things too. Yeah. It's yeah. just a fun genre mm. to think about because they all have the weirdest names. Can I say, I know that it's completely uh, an appropriate phrase, uh, but Here we go. folks in general... Um, will always remind me of Barack Obama. Right. So <laughs> I can, I like every time I see like people even write like, you know, and to like trans folks, I'm like, did, did Barry write this? <laughs> I say, folks also just reminds me of like a, like an old school stand up comic, like from the 60s or yes. 70s, ending a joke, you know, yes. like something, 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 folks, you know, yeah. Um, no Swifty, I thought about this before um, folklore came out, but I did think of like folklore mythology. So I just imagine these like ethereal creatures with antlers and hooves and wings. They're like queer folk. I'm like, that sounds really. Um, Illustrated. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's so interesting is that your book, uh, which is wonderful, by the way. Thank you. Uh, I'm so I'm so happy for you um, that this is out there in the world now. Uh, it's written, you know, half like at Vice Collins, but really mm -hmm. it's just you know a jump off for you to write, you know, like essays, you know, um, yeah, memoirish about your life. What has it been like going from the type of writing that you used to do uh, on the internet to now you're like completely focused on framing things in context of advice columns? Like, like is advice yeah. columns all you write now? Uh, and are you tired of are you tired of giving people advice? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> when I first left the pasture in Oklahoma, my main dream was I want to write a book. And it's only now that I actually have the time that I'm not working a desk job and I'm not worried about taking every single freelance gig that comes my way, have I realized that I've really negotiated my knack for writing with the industry and how that has really affected me? Because I had ambitions of writing something really long, writing novels, fiction, stuff like that. And this book, you know, as much as I love it and as much as I'm proud of it, it very much is a representation of how I see I had to sort of negotiate myself into industry, how I had to really specialize in the op-eds, the essays, the things that really pop on the internet. Because uh, mm -hmm. that's really how I saw as my only way in <laughs> to this industry, because I didn't have any connections, you know, no one was going to fly me out for an internship to a coastal city. So I was just like, we got to do something, guy, what are we going to do? And so I really did sort of learn how to do um, back then what was the Huffington Post blog style of writing where it was just like five things I wish I'd known before I came out as gay like that sort of thing that was so prolific in that era of journalism and I see it's a Ariana still. was doing what the girls weren't doing okay <laughs> Miss Ariana Huffington okay <laughs> she really was uh, <laughs> she was a revolutionary back then she was using people's free work on the daily it was just oh, like yeah. i didn't get paid anything but i was i used to I make sure videos for that woman yes right <laughs> <laughs> she just loves sleep she loves rest she just wants you to have a good night's sleep and be your best that's her whole thing um, i have wildly yeah. never been on the huffington post i never worked for the huffington post that does seem crazy i always aspire to like write for black voices oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 it is kind of funny, like, there were these um, open channels, like, HuffPo Latino, HuffPo Gay, or whatever, where I was just like, okay, this seems like more low-hanging fruit than the other stuff, because I went to a writing school at OU, it's not like I really knew what I was doing, so I, I wasn't gonna, like, do any hardcore reporting or anything, and I hate reporting, I hate interviewing people, I, it makes me nervous, I hate calling someone and being like, hey, can I bother you about this for, like, 20 minutes, um, so I was like, okay, I'll just work on these like identity sectors <laughs> or whatever, which I think later 
that kind of sprung out with Ola Poppy. It's still very much in the DNA of this book where it's like, it is a gay book. <laughs> it is a Latino book. Um, and I'm proud of it, but I'm really excited to maybe, you know, branch out from that later. And at some point, yes, yeah, stop giving people advice because it is, uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> I, I want, you pointed out something earlier though, that I think is so true that for me, writing is be, uh, the I'm most productive as a writer when I'm just given a topic. Like if I mm-hmm. have to come up with something off the top of my head, that's way more daunting than like if a letter comes to me, it's like you can write 30 words about it or you can probably write 3000 mm-hmm. words about it, you know? Absolutely. I think that restrictions really bring out creativity where it's like you have to do it within these parameters. What can you come up with? Whereas if you're just making everything up on your own, you know, sometimes it lends itself to really overwrought writing. It's stuff that you think is really good and maybe no one is that interested in hearing. So I'm kind of thankful in a way for prompt culture. <laughs> I really enjoy <laughs> the idea of, hey, talk about a time where something like this happened to you and you just get to respond in a fun and interesting way where you get to flex some of your gifts. Um, yeah, that's kind of what this book is a lot of. I very purposely set about the advice column structure and put it in this book so that I could maybe do some fun things with it that push the boundaries a little bit. Mm-hmm. I definitely love prompts, you know, because I've mm-hmm. had columns before um, at uh, internet outlets and famously, as opposed to, as opposed, <laughs> not famously, <laughs> infamously, infamous, sure. notoriously. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I am, I am on far too many hit lists. I'm sure. <laughs> for any of my internet columns. <laughs> I was on a hit list in high school and you know, in really. retrospect in retrospect kind of dope. No, listen, there is something to that. When the right people hate you, it can feel really great and do a lot of good for your brand. I remember when um I wrote this one silly article for the Guardian. It was responding to that taco trucks on every corner um thing that was said that was like popping in the news back then. And I wrote oh, something silly, yeah. like, okay, yeah, this person sucks, tacos are great, whatever. And then this white supremacist news site made me their target of the week, and their headline was oh. like, mestizo faggot journalist, journalist in quotes, John Paul Bramer hates white America, and that's like gold. <laughs> that's like something that you can show off and be like, wow, okay, this looks great for me, I made the white supremacist mad. So if it's the right kind of people, if you end up on their like hate list or whatever... Sometimes that's all right. I can't believe that a site like that still observes like journalistic practice of like, here's two <laughs> adjectives before the person's name, except it's not like, you know, whatever. Legendary recording artist. It's a yeah. faggot. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know they came from me, sis. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember. <laughs> there was also Jeez. a period where like when I worked at MTV News that uh, the entire... Uh, staff of MTV News was like the target of David Duke because of a video we didn't even do. Uh Someone else on the MTV team did a video about like uh, how to talk to white people about like the election or something and then David Duke was like, these MTV racists. God. Uh, and he was constantly talking about MTV, which is so funny to me. That, one of the weird things about working in media is that like you see behind the curtain, so you know how all these things work, and then the audience really doesn't. So anytime something happens, they just like blame you for it immediately as if you had anything to do with it. I remember mm-hmm. like I wrote this one essay for the Washington Post that was about Tumblr removing all its porn. And it was a pretty nuanced essay. I was pretty proud of it. And then the headline they ran was, Rest in peace, Tumblr porn. You made me the man I am today. So everyone was just, like, quote-tweeting it and being like, this is degenerate. I can't believe that the Washington Post would post something like this. And I was just like, oh, 
I have no control over this, actually. <laughs> right. No, um, people don't understand that headlines are written by different people. Also, exactly. th- that like pictures are chosen by different people, too. Very so, much. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there's like four different conversations not occurring in concert a lot of the time when those are coming together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, truly would like to wipe out most of my articles that were at the Daily Beast, because no matter what I wrote, <laughs> the headline would always be something wild. I think the wildest <laughs> one was like, um, I wrote about Nicki Minaj's uh, as a barb, you know, about her um, Chun-Li video, and about how some people were questioning whether or not it was uh, culturally uh, insensitive, right? And then the headline ends up being... Uh, Nicki Minaj's disgusting Asian fetish. No. <laughs> My favorite tweet from Barb Twitter before that came out was, Nicki's appropriating cultures. It's over for y'all. She's <laughs> <laughs> about to go in. <laughs> so true, though. Uh, I mean, I always go back to saying that the original bitch to do it was Gwen Stefani. Nobody oh. is appropriating like her. That's oh your Gwen Stefani. Yes. Absolutely. How did it get, some I of those mean, videos? What? I mean, she, Never really, she really was taking your culture, JP. <laughs> <laughs> and you would look at her and you'd be like, wait, is I feel like growing up, like, did, did a lot of people know that she was like just this white girl from <laughs> Orange County? Or like, did they think that she, she has was songs like about Latina? It. Yeah. Right. No. So that conversation came later. I remember just watching her growing up, and I was like, "Wow, a Mexican, <laughs> do it, <laughs> prominent Chicana recording artist Gwen Stefani." <laughs> there are full videos like the luxurious video where you were just like, "Oh, okay, this 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 woman is Mexican." <laughs> like she had remember, the eyebrow. Like, she had everything. Like and I remember being like everything. so confused by like the Harajuku girl thing that she was doing. I was like, I don't know who these people are or why she's always referencing them. That's just one of her silly little things. She's Gwen. She's wild. She's creative. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> um, this is like me in high school, by the way. Just being like, yeah, seems normal. Okay, cool. Um, love the rich girl music video featuring Eve. Oh, sure. Yes. Oh, my God. No, but like the song Harajuku girls, some of the lyrics in that, like, just wait till you get your little hands on L.A.N.B. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I recently listened to the Orville Peck version of Born This Way, where he says Asian uh-huh. or Latinx made. And I was like, <laughs> something about Orville Peck saying Latinx just like initiates a fight or flight from me. I don't know why. <laughs> love him. <laughs> love him. Um, it sounded so strange <laughs> coming out of I his love mouth. him too. And when I heard that remix, I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> the X was just so pronounced. And it's like I don't know how you made it sound um, more hateful than um, Chola or Orient made, which was the original line. Uh, and it's wild that Gaga kept performing that line till uh, forever. Uh, and then Orville say Asian or Latinx made. I just I just heard it and was uh, recoiled. Yeah, I definitely just like had to stop the song for a second and be like, oh, I need to marinate in this for a second before I get my thoughts together. Really important, powerful <laughs> moment for me. My least favorite album of hers, Born This Way. I, I to me to me Ooh. it's well actually oh sorry I for uh, Joanne mm. and also Cheek to Cheek. But, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, well. So it's not actually your least favorite album. You just wanted to be incendiary. <laughs> that's you got it. Speaking of writing for the Daily Beast, that's exactly what I was doing. Yeah. In this industry, you got to be a firebrand sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stir the kids up. You give advice to people. 
who gives the advice to the advisor? Yeah, it's mostly my mom and her advice is, I mean, her advice is very simple. It's mostly just like, did you sleep? Did you take your Prozac? And the answer is always no. And it's like, well, do that and see how you feel. It's like, okay. <laughs> None of my problems are terribly complicated. I'm always just, I have really bad anxiety and I like to magnify it by drinking a lot of coffee, not sleeping at night, not taking my meds. And then I wonder what's wrong with me. I'm like, oh my God, why is my brain doing like one-handed flips right now? And it's always because I'm just doing something really simple incorrectly. Um, not a very complicated life I'm living at the moment, sadly. I am always blown away to realize, like, I'm somebody who drinks a lot of coffee, like here's like a full carafe. Yeah. Um, and I realize even if you have it at the beginning of the day, your sleep is so much better if you fucking get rid of coffee. And I know. And so much better. It's just unfortunately very painful because it's, like it's a benign vice otherwise, you know. But I need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need it. Yeah. There was a period where I was a barista where I truly was mainlining espresso all day. <laughs> and, and I felt, and I like never slept. Uh, I was like, why, am, why do I write at night all the time? Oh, it's because I cannot sleep. Right. The way your career is built on that espresso, that's beautiful it's a culture you had you had to grind you know i tried to when i was in new york recently get a chai i was like i'm gonna go off coffee and i had like an iced chai that wasn't dirty and i drank it and i was like well this has done absolutely nothing for me oh oh <laughs> now, good now, milk now, now, now just yeah. like drinking um sweet milk so <laughs> that is how it espresso feels. espresso back in it yeah because like the act of drinking coffee itself feels so productive because it just starts Slapping your brain around. I love it. <laughs> You've taken on this um, advice column persona. Uh, and I actually think it's very wonderful because I feel like there's a dearth of like advice columns around. <laughs> Truly. At least yeah. ones for like queer people, right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I feel like I remember advice columns from the newspaper when we were younger, like like Dear Abby and stuff, right? But it's mm -hmm. like th we weren't reading them. At least I wasn't. Right. Um I sometimes read them and I'm like, I don't know what's going on with this middle-aged divorced woman uh, in <laughs> Arkansas who just wrote in the Abbey. I, I don't relate to that. Um, but what's next? You know, like, are you like, do you want to keep doing uh, advice um, for people, even if you're going to branch out into other writing? So I do think at some point I'm going to retire Ola Papi only because I am trying to walk as quickly as I can away from digital media just because I think it's been a lot for me. Um, I've sort of mm -hmm. been through the ringer on that and it's been great. It's given me a lot of things, but you know, if I can just be an author from now on, that would be really great for me because this has all been less stressful than posting op-eds and essays and trying to make sure that I have a job next month and wondering if this whole website's going to collapse within a year. Uh, that stuff is really stressful to me, and I think my next project is probably going to be fiction. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see if I'm any good at that. I don't know. I'm working on it. But, yeah, I, I think that at some point I'll have to retire Ola Poppy. It'll have to be Adios Poppy, and I don't know what that's going to look like. Mm. Uh, maybe I just won't. Maybe I'll just stop doing it for a while and bring it back whenever I feel like it. Because getting the letters is so nice. Mm -hmm. Like, every once in a while you refresh your inbox and you see that someone from another country has offered this little slice of their life to you in this letter. And it's cool. I get to see things and I get to understand things that I wouldn't ordinarily do. So it's going to be really hard to give up if and when I give it up. I do want to say adios, Poppy, would be a great um, advice <laughs> yeah, column. Yeah, I like that too. Um, There's a lot of good that branding turns today. Into, yeah. 
a fictional uh, murder mystery about Poppy being murdered. So, <laughs> yeah, half fiction, was, half advice column. That's a free idea, JP. <laughs> it might just be like the Substack headline for when I make my heel turn and I'm eventually over, and I just be like, "Adios, Poppy," and everyone quote tweets it like, "Good riddance." <laughs> that's just what i see for Ola poppy i don't know like trash good you're gone i i used to do um weekly videos for the site years ago that used to be called after elton it had since turned into other things yeah, but, yeah, yeah. um when i left people were mostly nice and i did get one comment that was good riddance and i'll never forget it <laughs> good riddance <laughs> i'm like also it's like i'm on the i'm just going to another internet site or something like i'm not going far anyway moving on no yeah. that's the thing is that people think it's this big dramatic thing when you leave a job it's just like there <laughs> media is just one job we're just skirting yeah. around to different offices and different CMS systems or whatever. It's like, it's not that big a deal, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm used to celebrations once you leave a internet site. Uh, <laughs> half the people sad, half the people very happy that I am no longer on Twitter.com. <laughs> oh, the that's right. Yes. Madison mm. the third. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> JP, thank you for being here. Uh, thank what a you pleasure. for writing such a wonderful book. Ola Poppy is out now wherever you get your books. I don't know. The Strand. <laughs> is that still open? It's still open. Did I'm we save the Strand? Little event with them tonight. Okay. Uh, very exciting. Good. I'm glad that she's alive. Also, the book is literally out today as we record it, right? It yeah. is. Yeah. Out. Mm-hmm. It's day what? one yeah. of the book being out. Okay, I saw your New York Times uh, review, okay? Oh my God, thank God. Yeah, you're in the New York Times <laughs> holding a rabbit. Uh, I, think that, I think that that is truly every writer's dream, to hold a rabbit and to also be in the New York Times. Yeah, I, I woke up to a text being like, your New York Times book review is in. I was like, that's a really morbid way to word that. Is something yeah. bad just happened to me? <laughs> was there a period uh, in that sentence too? Yes, who does that? Your New York Times book review is in, period. That's dot, like, dot, ooh, ellipses. they hated that. <laughs> <laughs> they hate this book. Wow. And now everyone's going to know. No, thank God it was positive. I don't know. I, I don't have it in me <laughs> to get trashed in the New York Times like that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, but this was great. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to read both was... of your books when they come okay. out, when you write them. When you pitch Thank them, you. whatever that may look like. When I staple tweets like coupons to each other. Yeah, <laughs> right. I would read that. <laughs> Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Celebrities, they're just like us. They want to fuck too, baby. But an increasing number of celebrities are resorting to NDAs 
for their potential lovers to sign. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's constantly being talked about on, you know, like Instagram accounts like Demois. Uh, and there was recently a BuzzFeed piece um, that dove into um, the world of celebrity NDAs uh, for the sexual partners written by Haley Lieberman. What do we think about this? Well, it's to me, what's mostly weird is that it's not the information's coming out now since there's always been a standard version of this throughout the ages. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. You, you can't talk about, for instance, Tom Cruise without bringing up the amount of paperwork it takes to even know Tom Cruise, right? They want to mm-hmm. party with the Cruise, they're gonna have to sign a non disclosure, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> Katie Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> A- ask Nazanin Boniati about signing some paperwork. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Nicole Kidman, tell us about your marriage. Bitch, you, you think she's trying to get sued? <laughs> I can't. You'll Mar. never see her again. Yeah. I can't. Uh, she's just, <laughs> honestly, pretty raw. Pretty raw. Yeah. Nice. There are certain things we reference constantly in our lives, Ira and me specifically. And one of them is Nicole Kidman's 73 questions. So you need to just have these all memorized for okay. when you come back to keep it. Everybody, including you, I. All right. I'll throw in the Elizabeth Taylor AD video. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. If you memorize Victoria Beckham's 73 questions, you will know why sometimes I just turn to my friends and say, AIDS. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's why you did that. <laughs> yes. Yes. She's yeah, got asked, you, got what's you. the one thing in the world, what's the one thing that you wish you could get rid of in the world? And she turns mm. around and says, AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> she even says it kind of blunter than that. Like, like AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> Reminder, these answers are pre-written. Yes. <laughs> um, I will say that I'm of two minds about celebrity sex NDAs. One, I would never sign one. Mm. That's a lie. I feel like. I feel like. <laughs> Depends who it is, baby. Yeah, I just want to know if, like, um, if a, if a young Timothy came trouncing around and wanted you, and there was paperwork involved, you're just saying, maybe I picked the wrong person. I don't know who you're sexually attracted to. I'm sexually attracted to Timothy Chalamet, in theory. In theory, I think I'm actually more attracted to his fashion sense. Well, girl, you can't fuck his clothes. Which <laughs> might not even be his fashion sense. Yeah, yeah. Who's his stylist? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. What what little nigga he got? You know, up in. Uh, <laughs> Crown Heights, who you know, who's like you exactly. know, getting him up on the kids. Who's pulling? Who's all the sweat equity pulling Carhartt overalls <laughs> and beanies all day? Running, day running the to streets. thrift shops to get Celine pieces for uh, Timothy. <laughs> he loves a Celine and a New Balance. <laughs> but also, I'm of the mind that getting people to sign one seems fine to me. Yeah, because we are in a world where like. We went, I, mentioned, I mentioned Dumois, right? Like, yeah. any celebrity, like, has any random encounter with someone now, like, this person is running to the internet to, like, write about their interaction with that person. And I think it's weird. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would not want people talking about, like, what we do in the bedroom. I, I have two things about it as well. The first one being that I don't mind if people ask for NDAs. If they, I would sign one depending on what we're doing and who I'm with. But it's the matter 
of when along the night you ask me to sign an NDA, are we inebriated? Have things already mm. been sexually, has the tension been high? Like there's another level of power dynamic and abuse that could happen mm-hmm. in that um, signing of the paperwork. So that's an interesting fold to it. I absolutely agree with that. I think that if you are signing NDAs, it should be just like the paperwork scene in Fifty Shades of Grey. Exactly. When it's cold, stoic, callous, still, yes. nothing sexual. And you are like, Here's okay, the what about this provision? Okay, um, no, uh-huh. I'm not doing that, etc. Mm-hmm, I think that's mm-hmm. hot. Oh, this this anal clause, take it out. Okay, okay, moving <laughs> forward. <laughs> that that is interesting. I mean, it is legal paperwork, so it does sort of feel like you should have a lawyer there for it. Truly, mm-hmm. like, don't just give me an NDA as I'm walking into your home. Like, I want to read this shit. I want to know what exactly. I can and can't talk about. Right. All right, well, this just got more difficult for me, and I'm now thinking about who I would go the distance for, shall we say. Mm. Okay, Hercules. Hercules, Hercules. (laughs) Okay, Justin Long and Drew Um. Barrymore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I also am wondering now, because there's a culture of NDAs that that has changed. Like, even five or six years ago, when we found out that Charlie Sheen was potentially giving other women NDAs to sign before sex, it was like, ew, gross, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. But now, when Beyonce has an NDA, and she's making Tiffany Haddish sign it before they they go hang out it's like okay girl what are y'all doing like you know there's just it's very dependent on who has the nda and what the culture of that uh person's identity includes Mm -hmm. well that's stuff where it's like you find out that someone bit beyonce on the face right nah tiffany beyonce are fucking don't take it from me uh and that makes me think about you know just like the random nights where we hang out with our friends right and like someone does something that's goofy or like something that like becomes like a story that we like constantly reference and i guess if we're all celebrities uh and a friend does that you don't want that story circulating so it becomes like a thing that's like in page six or something right Mm -hmm. so that's Mm -hmm. why you sign an nda that makes me wonder like somebody who hangs out with a lot of celebrities i mean and is a celebrity themselves like is busy phillips Mm. constantly signing ndas just based on the people she's around i want to know Does Michelle make yeah. her sign one? That, that's part of the question, yeah. <laughs> like, here's a drink, here's an NDA. Mm. <laughs> I have never been asked to sign one with anyone that I've hung out with, for the record. So I've signed multiple NDAs. Mm. I've, I've only signed them yep. when I've gone on game shows, because you can't like give away the, yeah. the result of what happened. Yeah. Mine aren't for hanging out. Mine are for like Marvel auditions, where I'm the secretary, and they're like, don't uh, tell anyone <laughs> that we're making I did movies. sign a heavy NDA <laughs> To go into Marvel. God, <laughs> you can't even think about Marvel without signing an NDA. <laughs> I don't even think I was supposed to tell people I wrote that Black Panther thing. <laughs> <laughs> that Black Panther thing. Um, thing. No, no, that reminds me of when we had Kat Dennings on and she talked about yeah. having, having to go for her audition for, I think it was WandaVision, mm-hmm. far away from a building and then was like carted there by a mysterious interloper person in which case she signs something else they're just like layers and layers of bureaucracy and strangeness to even participating in that universe yeah yeah okay what celebrity would y'all sign an nda for to hang out with oh just to hang out with okay just to hang out with and then i want to know what celebrity you would sign an nda to fuck okay great uh well to, to hang out with i mean like it would have to be pretty anthropological in nature i would want to be like i would need to study the person like it it would be satisfying for me to study the person it probably wouldn't be an act Mm -hmm. of friendship i was seeking like i just i do believe i should hang out with madonna one time i'm not saying it's gonna go well for me nor am i saying (laughs) i'm gonna come out of it psychologically unscathed 
But I do, <laughs> I, I need to get the information firsthand as opposed to like the behind the music-y talking heads being circumspect mm. and guessing mm. how she behaves, you know. Baby, mm. that's going to be how you end up floating dead in the pool, okay? <laughs> the night you meet Madonna is your Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> Which reminds me, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber wanted her to star in the reboot of Sunset Boulevard when they made it into a, a, a musical movie. I would have watched that in an instant. That would be okay. crazy. Avita, Avita eight. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm just, I am just going to put that out there. Evita is that girl. Yeah, I do. Evita. I enjoy Evita. A three star film for me, but I enjoy it. Yeah, uh-huh. What celebrity to hang out with, Aida? To hang out with, I'm really, really struggling to think because I don't feel like these people don't. They don't be doing fun shit. Not they. Don't, I don't know. Right? Who's uh, fun? I don't have a sense fun? of who's fun. Yeah. Who's fun? You know, I, I, I would say the the fuck one came to me very, very easily. <laughs> I, if Daniel Kaluuya wanted to serve me any type of paper, I would just look it up and I wouldn't even read it. I'll sign it. I don't care. You mm. want my limbs? You want to remove my limbs? No army hammer. You just want to have them? That's fine. You can, have, you can, <laughs> oh, you can have them. Anything that you want. <laughs> I don't. I, I would. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Mm. Did I tell you guys recently? This is so unfortunate. But um, I was driving and it was right before the the oscars actually it was like the day before the oscars and i was driving down melrose and i had been talking about daniel kaluuya moments before and then i pull up to the intersection and i turn to my right and guess who's in his little black suv looking sexier than ever Mm-mm-mm. daniel kaluuya oh wow mm. <laughs> it was so odd i felt like i manifested him Girls, settle down. Sit did down. You, did you splay yourself like, on the glass like like one of those Garfield sticker things that people mm-hmm. put on the window? I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. My tits were out. They were pressed <laughs> up against the glass. No, I just looked at him and mouthed, I love you. And he gave me the most subtle, cool peace sign and just carried carried on, moving mm. right forward. The light was green. I hadn't mm. noticed. <laughs> you know what? I would sign an NDA to party with Rihanna. Ooh. Definitely, definitely. Yes. Okay, because uh, I think she would be cool too. I mean, like, can you believe it? That's my take. She's probably cool, but yeah. Um, yeah. The it most, would be worth like, it. Top celebrity to like party with. I feel like. Yes, that's a mm-hmm. great answer. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, fa- I'm stealing a Twitter meme now. My favorite oldies artist, Rihanna. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because everything she's released is years and years old, yes. I mean, listen, we're here only girl in the world on easy listening, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's, it's a Yacht Rock classic now, yes. <laughs> okay, which one would you sign an NDA to have sex with, Lewis? Oh, God, so hard. Um, but let me just say, I don't really find myself pining for celebrity men, really. Mm. You'd sign an NDA to fuck Jane Fonda for sure. <laughs> I, I, excuse me, I think Jane Fonda would be fucking me if we're going to put it. I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah. She'd be on hour four and you'd be yeah. done. <laughs> but I'm weeping, yeah. Um, she, and like her, yeah, her delts are only getting stronger throughout. Um, good, I don't know. In that case, I don't really have an answer for that. I don't, I, I, nobody is coming to mind where I'm like, I'm, I'm that desperate for it. Sex shouldn't feel um, distant or strange or elusive i believe it's a social thing and you should you should have it naturally with and without paperwork involved oh Aww. shut up shut the fuck up Lewis. Shut the fuck <laughs> i don't even know what i was saying i just <laughs> oh straight edge bastard i would side one in an instant for ricky martin oh, oh. okay well fabulous answer in india yeah yes by the way can i just say there should be a a word maybe a german word 
for when you hear a pop song that used to be ubiquitous that you never hear anymore. I heard Live in La Vida Loca recently. I'm like, once upon a time, you could not obviously avoid that song, and now you never hear it. I felt the same way about, I just heard Havana by Camila Cabello recently. When do you hear that oh. song anymore? And it used to be every day, all the time. Yeah, but I feel like you need to create like a time distance, because that feels so new, so recent. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do agree with you. It needs to have a word. Mm-hmm. It needs to be like, Music Freude or something. Yeah. No, like if you heard <laughs> Bodak Yellow right now, wouldn't you be surprised? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's not I was shocked mm-hmm. last night uh, when I heard Can't Stop the Feeling playing. Right. Exactly. Wait, which, which Can't Stop the Feeling? Justin Timberlake. No, yeah. Because wow. I feel like they had just stopped playing it for a bit and then it played again. But you know what I want to point out? He ate the girls on that song. He okay. did. He did. Unfort- he unfortunately, he nibbled the girls. He nibbled the girls. He chomped. He chomped. The girls, the girls wish <laughs> the girls that they had can't stop the feeling. Okay. That song was you everywhere. Okay. He ate the girls up. Girl, really the girls were at a back to school sale at Kohl's with that song. Okay, bitch? <laughs> and they were hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a car with a young man, and he just ca- he casually put on "Happy" by Pharrell, mm. and I've never I tucked mm. I tucked and rolled out of the car. There was no way. That's terrorism. <laughs> That's, That's not that okay. is that is. I would think that I was about to be taken uh. to be murdered. <laughs> you know what I, I will say about kid. that? Maybe Lupita Nyong'o's most impressive performance when she got up and danced to Pharrell's "Happy," and it didn't look bad at all. Mm. Like not not a song that that like makes you want to. Dance in a way that belongs outside of like a white wedding, you know. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Actually, final answer: I would sign an NDA to hang out with and or have sex with Tom Cruise. <gasps> I may die. I may die, but I think it'd be worth it. Well, the paperwork would be part of the kink in that situation because mm-hmm. you know yeah. he's just within a castle, within a tower, within a whatever. So Yeah. You gotta fight like Ludwig von Bowser to get to Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Ludwig von Koopa, but yes, yes. <laughs> King. Uh, all right. Well if you're a celebrity uh, who would like any of us to sign an NDA. Yeah. Uh, Hit us up. You know, you know how to reach us. us. You know how to reach us. Call me, Keep beat it me at crooked.com. If you want to fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Aida is ready to lick box. Bin. Bin. <laughs> no PDA, though. Yes, NDA, but no PDA. Don't touch me in public. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're back. Keep it. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It is Keep It. <laughs> what are we keeping this week, loves? Aida, you go. I'll go. Okay, mine's small. Mine's small and irritated. And I know that I just, mm, I know that this is going to be a problem. So I just want to get it out of the way now. Mm. The mask mandate in Los Angeles is being lifted mm-hmm. in nothing but a week. Okay. And I know I don't run in these circles, but I know the internet has a tricky way of just putting the worst content right in front of my fucking face and right in the middle of the timeline. So I need y'all to have zero celebration about the masks being removed. I don't want to see y'all throwing them away. I don't want to see parties where you're burning them. I don't want to see bonfires on the beach, you throwing your mask Mm. in it, all happy, like we're done, we've celebrated. People still died. People still died. And frankly, a lot of you need to keep wearing your mask. I don't want to see your face. I don't. I have no interest. I don't want to see you out smiling. I loved the social interaction where I had no idea who was looking at me, wanted to talk to me. I loved it. It was such a great excuse. Wonderful excuse to not wear makeup. I, you know what? 
I'm keeping the mask on is what I'm realizing through this is it's it's staying on. Just be careful. I have no problem leaving behind this era unceremoniously. I will think of it historically as like Lady Gaga's cheek to cheek era. It wasn't for me and it went on a little too long. That's it. And we don't need to talk mm. about it again. <laughs> Just shove it under the rug. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know what? I want to like, I want to bring back like bra throwing at concerts, but it's like masks. Like I would throw mm. my mask at Maluma. Oh, wow. Now you brought up Maluma. That really ma- jumps me back Here to the last go. conversation. Woof. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I would sign an NDA to do whatever Maluma wanted, even if it was just, you know, um, his taxes. Watch, yeah. Watch. Yeah. If it was just watch, to watch, um, the Patrick Star Show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your keep it, Lewis? Uh, my keep it is specific, as all the best ones are, I think. My keep it is to the dance moves during floor routines in women's gymnastics. Um, <laughs> we have been very inundated with wonderful Simone Biles content recently. Uh, I don't know if you heard, she got her seventh national title. She's, in my opinion, getting very good at gymnastics. And um, uh, she, like, basically only does moves that are named after her at this point. Like, she's so far ahead of the game. Like, there's no rule book to what she does. She's so innovative, so um, athletic, impressive. Floor routines. Now, I'm not saying the dancing that occurs is necessarily bad, but it's such an unusual segue between incredibly impressive moves. It's like women, they they have two jobs they have to do during a floor routine. One the most impressive athletic achievements of all time. And then second, they have to dance like a gay toddler at recess. Because what is going on (laughs) with this bizarre shinnying and bending over and booty shaking before they get back to the really just incredible athletic feats? Now, I just learned a term for this called the female apologetic, which uh, uh, refers to things women do in sports to sort of soften the hardness of athletic appearance. So for instance, you might say like, why do women have to dress in like spangled cute outfits? Well, you could say that's part of the female apologetic fat. in order to participate in sports, they still have a kind of like welcoming cutesy look, you know? Um, So anyway, I just think it's a weird requirement for a sport that is otherwise just mind bendingly fabulous in terms of athleticism and i think it does undercut something about the sport mm. okay damn the girls can't be cute it's gotta it's gotta have <laughs> that's <real> it meaning. <laughs> but i feel like i just think it's a I weird it's a that. weird requirement you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's like in the middle of like a uneven bars routine if you had to get up on the bar and do stand-up it just makes no sense yeah yeah, and it does actually mm. remind me of like when Gabby Douglas came onto the scene and the biggest critiques were like, her leotard and her flyaway hairs. And it's like, no, she should get to do and look however she wants. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, because men do. Girl, they be Precisely. <laughs> Pete Sampras was so ugly. <laughs> but by the way, watch men, men's floor routines and it's the most... <laughs> If you watch a, the, the men's floor routines, they're so anesthetized and just, it's like hard move after hard move and then walking to the corner to do another move. Like there's no mm. obligation for like artistic bossa nova segues or whatever. Yeah. Mm. Well, if I'm watching men's gymnastic, baby, I'm not thinking about the dance moves. All okay? right. Okay. I don't need to know what you're <laughs> thinking about. It's fine. But all right. <laughs> also. Objectify them. Also, I do want to apologize Pete Sampras was very cute. He was so cute. Oh, I thought you were kidding. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Listen, these girls, sometimes they need clarification. Got it. Someone's up in your mentions being like, why do you hate Pete Sampras? 
I don't know. He could slap <laughs> me with his tennis racket. Ira, what's your keep it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? My keep it is to the recent Netflix special, Inside, by Bo Burnham. <gasps> oh, why? Because he's just so damn cute. Mm. Oh, the fake out. Oh, the fake out, Ira. Oh, you had us. Keep nice it to trip. him for being um, fantastic. Uh-huh. Like, mm. truly fantastic. And talking openly about his anxiety, but then, like, overcoming it and being, like, an amazing actor in Promising Young Woman. And then the special, um, which is hilarious. And also... Far too horny. Interesting. And it's like and it's like and it's like turn on in a way that like I don't find like straight men usually capable of. You know, mm-hmm. desirable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um what's interesting about that special, which I saw, is that <laughs> I didn't think I wanted any mementos, as I said before, from the COVID era. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is really like here I am in a darkened, weird space, coming up with comedy, hating the stillness and nothingness of life right now. But enough is so funny about it that is unforgettable. I think my favorite part of the whole special, and it it gets into deeper territory. This is sort of a lighter moment. He has a song about white women's Instagrams, which you would normally think, did we do this already? Is it 2014? And then he gets to a part in the song where he goes through the things white women write when a relative has died, like a parent, and what they yes. write to the parent. It is so <laughs> funny. It also makes you realize that there is totally a script to even our quote-unquote vulnerable moments online. You know, mm-hmm. like if you watch a coming out video by a YouTube teen, you know exactly what you're going to get, down to the word, <laughs> you know? And, of uh, course. He really pointed something out with that. I thought it was really funny. I mean, it's pride, you know? So, like, even if it's heartfelt, you're always going to get a post from some gay who's like, uh, the, you can already see the script in your head. It's, I was never comfortable, you know, being this gay and out before. And and then it's like seven paragraphs later, it's like, baby, I just clicked like and kept it moving. You look cute in the photo, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome. What I loved about the special was that, like, just having Bo Burnham even return to the screen and be doing a special. It's been years since What and Make Happy and his thousands of YouTube videos that we all just injected into our veins and he's been taking all this time directing and writing eighth grade and he, he directed mm-hmm. gerard carmichael's special so it's just exciting to see him back on screen and doing what i know he is has a complicated relationship with but loves to do so mm-hmm. and uh i think my favorite part was uh a very uh queer relatable part uh the part where he talks about um texting with like a woman at night uh and then falling asleep because uh, I think I was just talking with a friend last night about that whole concept of like you're on grinder uh, in your bed and if you're drunk or like you're visiting a city somewhere and then like you pass out and then you wake up and your phone's dead. <laughs> oh. Definitely a thing that happens home? all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, Bob Burnham. Wonderful special. Yeah, I've, uh, I, the, FaceTime, the FaceTiming your mom clip was one of the most just gut just right to the gut relatable things i sat there and was like oh god i have to call her again i love calling her she's i, I want to talk to her every day but it's just another 20 minutes of what you making <laughs> it is <laughs> truly inane conversations that you have with him <laughs> yeah also by the way obviously a lot of what Bo burnham does is putting this to music and the songs themselves are just really good i don't know it's yeah. like yeah it, it's it, it makes me mad that he's just capable melodically of things too. You can't you can't be both, you know, 
Kathy Griffin and then Phil Spector. Like, how does this work? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and by that, I'm calling him a murderer. No. <laughs> yeah. I was, do you think he's going to murder someone? <laughs> Played by Helen Mirren in the movie? Yeah. I believe that Bo Burnham has murdered. I do not. Okay. No one's that nice. Okay. Yeah, oh, okay. I like that take. Make. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's something there. There's something, there's something inside. <laughs> um, I also want to commend him for, you know, transitioning from his YouTube career into, you know, what he's done now. You know, it was a little bit like our guest, JP, who we just talked to. But, you know, it's like, I think we're all people, uh, the three of us, too, who are artists who, you know, grew up on the internet. And there's a lot of people who've done that transitioning from internet into the art that they want to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's funny is like, as he's parodying a lot of things, you know, uh, especially the one about like content and the one with people doing those like YouTube response videos to a response video or like describing something. It's like, these are all people who just like want to express themselves in some way, but the only way that they're able to is like some inane thing mm-hmm. on YouTube <laughs> that nonetheless people like to watch. But um Cheers to people who escape inane internet um, things that they had to do and now get to create what they want. The dreamers who dream. Yes. La La Land, we speak your name. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Caroline Reston and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Our executive producer is Ira Madison III. I think I've heard of him. Our editor is Bill Lance, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Narm Melkonian, and Milo Kim for production support every week. Stay safe. Be blessed. God loves you. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great.